Welcome back to this episode of Into the Unknown. In this episode, we're going to go through setting boundaries as a coach and setting boundaries as an athlete. Whether it's important as a relationship develops to become slightly more personal to understand the person behind the athlete, and also if it's okay to say no, will that lead potentially to further consequences down the line? We hope you enjoy this episode. I'll catch you next time. Welcome to the Into the Unknown podcast, the show that dives into all things fitness, politics, mindset, current affairs, sports, and everything in between. With a generous sprinkling of humour, at least on my part, and pop culture, I'm Connor Campbell. And I'm Yushan Su. So without further ado, plug in, sit back, and enjoy being taken into the unknown. Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. Um, before we start this episode, I want to ask you a very important question. Go on, then. Are you a Jelly Baby fan? No. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> in this episode, we're going to be discussing... <laughs> I'm um, team gummy bears, bro, all the way. Okay. Yeah. But I mean... I'm not saying that it has to be one or the other, but... Okay, so so then, because everyone has like their kind of favorite color of sweet, right? Is that correct? Yeah. What's yeah, your favorite yeah. color of sweet? Brown. Is it really? Is it? Would that be like brown <laughs> and black? Mm. Yeah. Well, I love like licorice sweet, and okay. then brown. Yeah, you know, like brown jelly babies, whatever flavor those are. And then I really like the, you know, the Coke bottles. Yes, they're my favorite. So oh, yeah, brown, black is also my favorite jelly baby, even though they taste all the same. I'm sure I'm almost certain they, they don't taste all the same. But I'm, I'm almost certain they don't. I'm convinced that uh, the Illuminati is involved, and they, <laughs> <laughs> they don't taste the same. Anyway, what I want us to, to talk about is we have been good friends for a long time, and I've also this been lucky enough to be your coach for a number of years. Um, and one of the one of the things that we seemingly are able to do almost without sort of realizing it is we have a pretty healthy kind of coach athlete relationship. And we've never sort of needed to like set boundaries, whether it be physical or emotional, or whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> I mean, Listen. I mean, not yet, not yet, you know. <laughs> not yet. When things um, get desperate, like. Listen, um, you know, so yeah, I I just thought it would be an interesting topic of discussion to have of like whether you think it's important to kind of set boundaries uh, between kind of coach and athlete and athlete and coach. I don't know necessarily if it kind of goes one way or the other. Um, mm. but obviously you being an athlete to me and me being a coach to you and also myself being an athlete to another coach, um, I thought we would be able to kind of give some guidance into maybe things that are slightly less acceptable, not acceptable, yeah. but like, you know, the fact that at the end of the day, this is also someone's job. And yet mm. you also have to remember that there's a fine line between a coach saying, Hey, like, you know, kind of message me when you, when you need help um, and so on and so forth. And to be honest with you, a lot of people do respect those boundaries to say like, these are kind of my working times, but if you need something and if you want to get in touch about something, or if you've had a problem with training or you need like some really quick adjustments, then just let me know if it's a one-off. But yeah, I find that there's some people that I have worked with um, and probably might work with in the future that they don't necessarily seem to understand that it's not okay to message people every day at 10 PM mm. to ask you, you know, what's the workout for tomorrow or blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's kind of what I mean about setting boundaries is, is, is that an 
because I, I I feel really guilty when I say to people I don't work I don't work weekends right sometimes yeah. I do a little yeah. bit of work on the weekends and when I was when I used to coach you in person uh, I was working 60 70 hours a week which is crazy um that now it's mad. it's a little bit less because a lot of the stuff that I do is remote I still do want in person stuff um and so I guess my I, I don't know I feel like as I've aged and as i become more experienced as a coach i feel less guilty about kind of setting or like respecting my own time and saying listen guys mm. i'm happy to help if it's an emergency and if you kind of need something desperately or if it's like a one-off like hey i don't know how to do this like on the weekend and i'm just like i'll quickly get back to them but at the same time it's it, I don't know. I feel like it, it still makes me feel somewhat guilty about setting those boundaries. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it, it makes but me the feel thing bad. is, so, because the whole time you're talking about it, I was just thinking about, you know, the fact that, you know, you framed it in sort of coach athlete relationship and the boundaries within that. But I feel like that extends to just boundaries in, relationships in general um to be honest and you know i think as well with like you say most of your work or a lot of your work now is remote through your business through stoic and you know through yeah uh, remote coaching and programming for people and things like that which can i'd imagine be a blessing and a curse like obviously you're not working long physical hours in the gym and so on and so forth but you're working on a platform where a lot of people might just assume or expect you to be just always readily available. Yeah. Because it is just, you know, at the tip of your fingers. Yeah. yeah it's at sure. your fingertips. It's, it's right there. And you have access to it all the time, wherever you are, whenever time of day it is, which can be very useful and can play into your favor. You know, you might not have to get out of bed, some days and you can still do your work but then at the same time you create this or other people might have this false expectation or, yeah. or assumption that you should be readily available all the time and you have that access and you should have that time for them because then it becomes a bit blurred like the onus is more on you to create those boundaries. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas if you worked on the gym floor, for example, or you worked on a shop floor, or you had, you know, you worked a nine to five, then that nine to five is your boundaries. You know, that's when you clock in and clock yeah. out of work. And that's not to say, you know, if you do a job where the hour is a bit more flexible or it's something that you're really passionate about, you're trying to climb the ladder, you're trying to develop, you put more time into it. It's not a clock in and clock out job. You know, you might be working evenings. You might be working overtime. You might be spending more time like over weekends to work. But still, if it's a kind of more physical or like it feels like more of like a substance as a job, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean, then still those boundaries are still kind of just there for you or yeah. at least easier to see. Whereas when it's just always there and always available to you, then that becomes a bit more difficult. And yeah. I think as well, it's important in general to realize that, you know, even if, even if you're like talking to a close friend, it's people shouldn't have to be readily available all the time. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't be calling you know, my friends at 10 or 11 in the evening every day anyway, you know, to ask for anything because, you unless know, I respect you really that. Needed it. Yeah. yeah, unless I need, obviously, unless yeah. I needed help or I needed something um, or vice versa. But that comes from just respecting that people need space, people need their boundaries, people shouldn't have to reply to you immediately and be at your service just because they can yeah yeah 100% and I I guess uh we are obviously we're talking more from 
sort of a coaching and an athlete perspective. And I, I agree with you that it, it does extend outside of, outside of this realm. Um, but I guess um, the way that I see it is the kind of more, the longer that you work with someone that I think the more sort of respect and um, appreciation that they might have for that relationship that like, you know, they understand that you might not be always available and yet you're still, when you are available, you're going to try and do everything you can to sort of help. Yeah. Um, but I guess setting those boundaries early on is, is, is can be a difficult thing, especially if, for, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, we are, we, you know, we, the way that we work, like you as a coach, we, we care or at least you should hope that your coach cares a lot you know but does it become a problem when they potentially care too much um now i'm not saying that we shouldn't care too much because we definitely should care a lot but at the same time what you don't want to do is move from kind of a support um and challenge realm to like taking care of them or like rescuing them because that like i am happy to have conversations outside of training if something is going particularly badly whether it be in training or whether it be outside of their their life but also you have to understand when to take a step back and say listen i'm i'm not a therapist i'm not a psychologist i'm more than happy to give you my time but and i've i've said this to people in the past right i'm i'm a coach and as much as i want to help you you also have to understand that that is all i'm qualified to do yeah it's not that i don't want to help you it's just that i'm not qualified to give you psychological help or therapy um it doesn't mean i you know i won't but that's not my job. Um, mm. And I guess there is a little bit a little bit of leeway in that because ultimately, you know, we do end up being kind of mentors and sort of advisors and so on and so forth. And I guess it will vary between athletes of like what people might need at certain times. And, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's flexible, right? It's never this kind of one consistent thing like me saying I'm not a therapist right? Doesn't necessarily mean that if someone comes to me and says, Hey, listen, I've had a shit day. Can I just talk to you about it? Like, that's where I have to be like, okay, yeah, why not? If if they've come to me to ask for advice, then that's fine. Um, but then it's also my responsibility as a mentor and as a coach to say, listen, I'm happy to help you, but this after the conversations happen, just say, listen, I'm happy to help you. And, you know, I'm here for you if you need me. But at the same time, if you feel like it's getting too much, um, or if I deem, I say, listen, this is, this is way out of my scope of mm. practice. You need to go and you, you need to go and seek some, some actual experienced advice. Um, yeah. you know, so yeah, that, um, and I guess, um, it, the reason I bring this up because our relationship is, you know, we were friends before I was your coach. And I think we naturally have fallen into this rhythm where we sort of respect each other's time. Um, mm. You know, outside of coaching, you might message me and and we don't even have to say like, uh, and I've tried this with it with, uh, with M actually, which I, uh, I want to get into because obviously coaching your wife is entirely different to coaching... <laughs> you know, to coaching you, like we're best yeah. mates, but I'm also your coach. Um, and yet it's a different relationship that you and I have, because when I tell you to do something, you don't come back with me and say like, uh, you know, you know that what I say to you is I'm your coach outside of yeah. that. I'm yeah. also your friend. And we separate that really well. But when you are so close to someone say in a relationship and you try and coach them, those boundaries are very difficult to absolutely yeah clarify i guess i've tried in the past saying um like for example being aware of the hat that you're wearing so i've tried yeah. in the past with them to say 
right, listen, I'm talking to you as a coach now. Mm. Right, so don't take it personally. Or like, I'm going to take my coaching hat off and now I'm I'm here for you as a husband. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely something that I'm guilty of not doing enough and something that I am trying to do. Um, mm. Sometimes it just you kind of just fall into this nice pattern, but that's not always the way that life works, right? <laughs> um, yeah, well, well, one thing I wanted to ask is like, look, do you, do you think that if, early on in our relationship we set boundaries we'd be this close uh no i don't think we would be um and yet we've somehow managed to find this rhythm where we respect each other's time and also you know where we're actually able to not feel guilty and um you know for me like for example if you message me and i don't get back to you straight away like i don't feel guilty about it because i know that unless it's urgent and it needs to be done yeah, right now yeah. i'll get back to you but with other people i feel like sometimes it's different because they might make you feel guilty they might, might right. they might they might kind of manipulate the situation where oh you took two days to get back to me mm. right and i've had that in the past with clients i don't coach Maybe. them anymore yeah. But I've had that in the past with clients where I've had to say, listen, if I don't get back to you on the weekend, I'm sorry. But at the same time, you know that my hours are Monday to Friday and I'm happy to work for you because I appreciate that you're paying for my time. But at the same time, you also have to respect that I also have a life outside of coaching and yeah. I don't live for you. I live for myself. And I've had to have conversations like that in the past. And it's not, it's never an easy conversation to have. And I, I do hate saying that because as a coach, I do care a lot. I care a lot mm. about all of my athletes, um, you know, but at the same time, this is not meant to sound rude, but I care about my life more than I care about the money that you're paying me. Yeah, absolutely. And if that means that someone leaves my coaching or if I lose a friend over it, because believe you me, and we've had conversations like this, I have lost friends over having these conversations. Yeah. And yeah. we've had these conversations off air and it is what it is, right? If but you don't... As well, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting because I almost feel like when you, you know, as as a coach, uh, taking yourself, for example, when you maybe become a bit closer to a client and you get to know them a bit better and you know them a little bit outside of the kind of professional relation, like coach-athlete relationship you have, you get to know them a bit more as a, as a person and become friends, then it might almost be harder to set those boundaries within the coach and athlete relationship mm -hmm. because maybe that's when the guilt comes in a little bit of like yeah. oh this guy's this guy's my mate like i should get back to him quickly um i i get that like we don't have that because i'm just a sound guy <laughs> um and <laughs> vice versa but i mean you wouldn't do it with any other job or any other professional relationships you have like i wouldn't message my barber and be like oh I know you're not working today, but can you cut my hair in five minutes if I come by? Yeah. Like that it just doesn't work like that. And you have to respect people's space and, and time. But I wanted to bring in because so at least in, in my sport and, and in sort of horse sports and in the equestrian world, there's a very big culture, or at least there was, of like this role as a working pupil or a working student, or however you want to call it, where basically, and, and I am, to be honest, and this could be a whole different debate and conversation that we could get into and bring people on, but I am all for it, you know, and it's the idea of, the role is basically that you, as a kid, or as a like an 18-year-old, or, or it doesn't matter how old you, but someone who's just starting out in the industry, or someone mm -hmm. who wants to, you know, make it big basically in the industry. You go work for a, a top rider or, mm -hmm. or a, a top, you know, professional, a top dealer or a trainer or whatever it is 
within the industry. Yeah. And you go work for them as a working student. So like quite low pay, but mm. it's a very, very immersive working experience. Like you wouldn't otherwise get many opportunities to work for someone of such high caliber, to be honest, without any experience yourself. Um, and quite often, you know, you would bring your own horse or your own horses and you'd get free training in return. And, you know, these people can be very generous with the free training, you know, like they could spend loads of time with you, take you to competitions, you go with them to their competitions, things like that. And a lot of these jobs are live-in jobs. Mm -hmm. So you're quite often, you could be living in very close proximity, if not with the people that you're working for. Yeah. Um. So to give you an example, my first riding job was as a working pupil for a show jumping trainer in Australia. And I was, at the time I was 18, I was just out of school and I trained with him a couple of summers as, as a kid, you know, I'd fly over and train with him that way. But then I went and spent, it was eight or nine months there as a working pupil for him. Mm. And that included obviously all the jobs on the stable, like riding the horses. And I got a lot of training from him in return. And then the setup was that I also lived in their house. Yeah. Like I had a separate section, but, you know, I lived in the house with him and his family. You know, he had a son and a wife. And so we'd have lunch together every day. We'd have dinner together every day. And we'd finish work. We'd come home and like watch TV together every day. Um, and, you know, the, him or his wife would cook for all of us and, yeah, and got to a point where like I was helping out around the house as well and, you know, helping out with the shopping and just things like that. Like it was very much, you know, I was part of the family. Mm. So in that sense, there, there was very little to know, you know, what you would call boundaries. Yeah, there's no boundaries. In, yeah. There's no boundaries of like, okay, this is my coach and I'm the rider. It's like yeah. we're all just mm -hmm. a bit of everything. And, and, you know, I had coaches previously as well where, like, you know, I lived on site and yeah, I, I literally took their took their rubbish out for them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was a little bitch, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is very much I, I've I've found at least very much the dynamic of yeah. at least within my industry and what we do of the kind of relationship between coaches and riders. Mm, I think it's interesting actually that you bring that up because. I feel like it it doesn't it wouldn't necessarily work in a lot of situations but for the for your specific situation that would work very well but I do have to kind of have a counterpoint to say that although I agree that that situation definitely helped you I could definitely imagine that the coach or the or whoever owns the stables you're in a very vulnerable position and yeah, so yeah. they also have to realize that that is a large level of responsibility for, you know, to bring someone into your home and to mm. basically have no boundaries whatsoever could potentially be, uh, it could end badly, you know. It Don't could... get me wrong. I've heard many, many yeah, yeah, yeah. stories of it going badly, you know, of, you know, people basically getting exploited yeah. or, or um, you know, yeah. So yeah. uh, I've been very lucky in my experiences sure. that I've had good bosses and good coaches that yeah. have taken me in. But, you know, I've definitely heard of stories of people less fortunate. Yeah. And I, and I guess, you know, within that specific example as well, like because you were a student, you almost you, you would be far less willing to kind of stand up to say that something's not particularly right or yeah. be potentially in a position where you might be more easily manipulated or whatever. But this is where I think your boundaries as an athlete comes in, where if you recognize that, and I understand that it might not be as cut and dry as either you just kind of cutting ties with that coach and saying, this is not okay. Like mm. this is a boundary you've crossed it. Because I understand that, you know, you, you you need to 
immerse yourself within that world to to get to grips with things but if if things are just brushed under the rug then it it will just go unnoticed and so your boundary or your responsibility as an athlete as well is to respect yourself and and if something isn't right say no and mean it yeah like and i understand that that is a very difficult position to put yourself in but at the same time you if you leave yourself vulnerable and you just continue to do that where do you draw the line because you're always going to have that then you know um and i you know like i like i just said i i understand that it's not so cut and dry but at the end of the day i get it you have to make sacrifices but if you just continue to make those sacrifices and that sacrifice isn't paying off for you, it's not worth the sacrifice. Yeah. In my opinion, 100%. you might yeah. think differently. Um, well, it's really it's making me think a lot. And, you know, at the moment as well, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of sort of, yeah, discourse within, within media and things like that about things like, you know, safe sport and, mm-hmm a lot of these things coming to light where there have been coaches who have overstepped or coaches who yeah. have, you know, abused their yeah, power sure. or, or abused that power dynamic. And you add to the equation that the people that, you know, the coach, the coaches are in charge of are basically kids, you know, teenagers yeah. for sure, who, you know, they themselves don't know exactly what's going on or what's right or wrong or what they should or shouldn't stand up for. You know what I mean? Um, And then add to the equation, the fact that there is this power dynamic, you know, you look up to your coach, especially as, as kids, as teenagers, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're God. And then, and then in riding, for example, like all of a sudden then you're living with, that person that you really look up to and thinking back now like i think it's also important to point out and realize that the that your coach and like my riding coach for example and the person who i work for and i'm also living with them and their family i respect him say to a very high degree with his knowledge and experience in riding and with horses but that doesn't mean that that has to extend to everything else yeah like he had some very sort of bigoted views about the world and things like that but but because my default image of him was this sort of higher higher you know do you know what i mean like higher level yeah of, yeah for sure person that just kind of extended to everything else yeah and yeah and i think so that that's part of it but then also and i don't know if this is uniquely uh like riding experience or or within my industry that you can have sort of no boundaries and such close relationships with Mm -hmm. with coaches and coaches have with their riders but i'm also thinking like you know you list you you think about some of the the films that actually we talked about here you know coach carter for example Mm. or karate kid you know with Mr. Miyagi like all of these all of these pupils get really personal with their coaches yeah and that's almost what made made their relationships so successful yeah because you then get to understand the person behind the athlete and Mm -hmm. and I I I I I agree that that actually makes you a better coach and it also mm. means that the athlete will trust the coach more because it shows that they actually care about you. Well, I was going to say vice versa. Like yeah. it definitely makes you trust your coach more mm. and it makes you believe that they believe in you and they care about you as a person. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely think that it strengthens that relationship. But this is where it's important to, you know, that you don't have to kind of follow that blindly. This is where yeah. a lot of people fall yeah. into the trap of having kind of coaches like recently has been surfaced not so much in the weightlifting world but i've heard some pretty dark rumors in the in the powerlifting world that um some athletes have been sexually assaulted by coaches and so on and so forth mm. which is horrible to hear obviously um 
and and I'm just like, why the why the fuck don't the doesn't the athlete say something? Mm. But then you don't understand the whole situation, do you? Like it might not be as easy as that. Um, yeah. And then also the reason why I think it is important to have those boundaries, regardless of whether you are a very personal individual, like how the way that you and I work, where we are friends, we're coaches, and we do we do blend the two together at points. Yeah. Right. I yeah. came over to to yours and and uh, like this was like a year or so ago. I watched you. Yeah, work, you to stop for you know, yeah. I watched you train and all that sort of stuff. And obviously I came as a friend, but at the same time I came because I wanted to kind of see like how you rode and how you did mm. stuff and and I just, I don't know, I, I, you know, I'd love to do that for everybody, but I can't, um, you know, and it, it would be great if I could. But I guess the the kind of point that I'm trying to make is that each athlete and coach have responsibilities to manage that relationship. And if it ever gets to the point where you feel like it's, it's not, um, it's not a, a relationship that potentially you want to continue, then mm. that's also your responsibility as an athlete to say i don't like the way that you do things right I, I have a perfect example so one of the first weightlifting coaches that i ever had in london um i turned up and i had i was wearing shorts and i turned up and the coach said we don't wear shorts here all of the men have to wear leggings or tights right. and i was like okay that's kind of strange so i came back the <laughs> next week and I was still wearing shorts and she, uh, they warned me again and they were like, you know, um, if you come back next week and you're not wearing tights, then we'll give you a pair. And I was like, I don't want to wear someone's old tights. So I went to Sports <laughs> Direct and I bought a couple of tights and then I came back wearing tights. And at the time I was like, okay, sh you know, they're pretty old school. Fair enough. Like I'll wear a couple of couple pairs of tights and at the time em was like that's really strange that that coach is asking you to wear tights and only the men um wait so the, the women could wear shorts well i mean women don't really wear shorts in weightlifting do they oh, yeah yeah, they wear leggings yeah. yeah leggings or like the whatever they're called booty short i don't know the actual term short shorts, <laughs> booty shorts isn't it? well is that what they're called i don't even know what the name is oh, no idea, short no. shorts let's just call them short shorts um, yeah. So, and then I came back and I was wearing my shorts on like over the top of my leggings yeah, yeah, yeah. or my tights. And she said, you have to take your shorts off. So I took my shorts <laughs> off. Mate, I lasted like six weeks. Cause I was just like, this is so strange. Like, why does it matter what I wear? Yeah. You know, like I get it. You're old Wait, school. So what was, you know, what came out of that? What? Well, well, nothing. I asked her, I asked her, why do I have to wear tights? And uh, they their response was because I want I want to see where the bar is on the men's legs, mm. and I'm like, but you can see where the bar is on my leg even if I'm wearing shorts. Mm. And they didn't have a response, so I was just like, I I just stopped turning up after six weeks. I was like, this is way too strange. <laughs> like it was just strange, and, and and so that for me that boundary was like no. You can't tell me what to wear. I can wear whatever the hell I want. Mm. You know, I, it's, it's but, really So that's interesting because there are people who, like yourself, who do that. And then there are people who, like me, you know, I, <laughs> I go back to that job in Australia that we were dictated, you know, like I had to, every day I had to, it was very strict that, when I showed up at the yard and I did the work and I rode, I had to be in a polo shirt tucked in with my collar popped. Like that, nice. that was the look. And and, <laughs> and it was very regimented, you know, and then somewhere else that I went to was like, your boots always had to be shiny. Yeah. Um, things like that, they were very specific and, and, and not everything that I agreed with. And, but I'm just like, nah, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we're in different positions because, you know, ultimately you 
we you weren't paying to be there right you were there for kind of for free and to learn but i was paying to be there and so i chose to take my business elsewhere because why the hell you would don't i have to wear your tights why why would i why would i no i'm not doing that that's strange why why does it matter what i wear it doesn't matter yeah. at all what i'm doing is lifting a barbell like it's not that deep if i was in the army and they told me i had to wear a uniform and i said i'm not wearing that uniform that's different right because, <laughs> imagine like nah, you know I'm good, bro. you kind of you kind of get what you sign up for like it's regimented but outside mm. of that yeah anyway it's it's just different um yeah so i guess it i mean i guess the, the sort of conversations that we've had have kind of rounded off and and kind of gone through this idea that it's definitely important as an athlete to have some respect for yourself or not some respect, yeah. but to have yeah. respect for 100%. yourself uh, and to understand that if something isn't okay, it's completely okay to say no and to yeah. challenge your coach or whoever is in that position of responsibility. But also it's important to set those expectations early on, right? If you, if you, I, I've, I've made this mistake multiple times and, now it's a little bit different because obviously being as a, as a coach, I'm much more experienced. Um, if, if someone messages me on WhatsApp, I kind of just politely remind them, Hey, if this is about training and it's like in the evening, can you just, can you just pop it on true coach for me? Yeah. Just so that like yeah. when I'm actually at work, I can get back to it. And people, you know, I'm very grateful that all of the people that I coach are super respectful to me. Mm. And I think the reason why is because I don't give them a reason to not be respectful. Yeah. You know, like I grew up always saying, if you want, if you demand respect, then you have to give respect. Mm. Right. But you have to give respect before you, I mean, I don't demand respect, but <clears throat> you have to give respect before you expect it. Expect. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, and and the second thing is, you know, messaging people politely and just saying, hey, like, thanks for messaging me. Would you mind just popping this on True Coach for me? Right. Yeah. I don't, I, I do still feel a little bit guilty, but they, the way that I ask them, like, they don't care. And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, shit, I'm so sorry. Like, I completely forgot. Let me, let me message you on True Coach. Yeah. You know, and sometimes people forget. I'm not going to fucking scold you for you messaging me at 10 o'clock. Like, Messed me when I'm not at work <laughs> because I'm not a freaking monster. Does this you know. fucking look like true coach? <laughs> uh, I think you're using the wrong app, actually. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It just, I guess that's something that some people will find. I, I definitely find it more difficult with certain with with certain clients that I've worked with. And certain people that I've worked with, obviously the relationship is different with a lot of clients because they require different things, right? Mm. Some, some people I have to, I have to freaking message you every week but to be fair, to give no, you credit come on, come on live, on. to give you credit live. I didn't <laughs> remind you at all last week and you updated all your training and you submitted your weekly check-in on come time. On. So <laughs> I, I, I have to give credit. Where credit is due. Growth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um however sometimes you know i do need to send hey update true coach right or like don't forget to do weekly check-in um and some people they just need different things from that relationship mm. some people i don't hear from for like a week and i have to message them like hey have you trained this week <laughs> and then they go oh yeah sorry but i haven't just haven't updated true coach right and, yeah. I, and that's fine but yeah for me as a coach it what i'm getting at is like that communication is super important you know yeah. if if you don't hear from an athlete or if or if you don't hear from your coach send them a message and, and remind them you know like mm. if if i've not done so a really good example there was um obviously do like video reviews for some people for their video analysis and i had a message i'm sure he won't mind me uh bringing up his name but um Ben sent me a message and he was like, Hey, did you manage to do my review? And I, I was like, Oh fuck, I forgot to do his review. Right. That as an expectation, he is paying for that. So when I'm yeah. in my work hours, 
him reminding me, I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I completely forgot. Let me jump on now and I'll get it done. That level of respect and that level of trust is yeah. is something that you have to obviously work on. But what what I'm getting at is that like we weren't rude about it. Like I wasn't like, don't mm. message me. You know, it was just a nice, gentle reminder. Hey, have you managed to look at my session? Mm. Right. And it doesn't happen for everybody because, well, quite frankly, I don't usually, you know, I'm usually pretty good with doing people's reviews and having those expectations that you're going to hear from me multiple times a week. And if you don't submit your sessions, you better believe that I'm sending you a message. Yeah. Right. And say, have you done your sessions? But it goes the other way. Right. Mm. Is what I'm saying. It's like, don't feel threatened that because the coach is in somewhat of a higher level of responsibility. That you can't just message them and say, hey, would you mind checking out my session from today? As long as it's within an acceptable time and whatever, whatever. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. I guess that's yeah, that's and I think I, yeah, I think I, it's interesting as well that I I don't know if you know how accurate this sort of transition is, but I, I think that we're at a time now where there's more. It's more kind of accepted that there's a sort of mutual respect, yeah, between coach and athlete, and it's not a cut and dry power dynamic where the coach yeah, is you know above. The athlete on everything um and that the respect more kind of goes both ways and, and you know as an athlete uh, and as a rider you know i for sure respect 100 percent the experience and the knowledge and all of those things uh from my coaches and that's yeah. why that's why they're my coaches but equally i've come to realize that they are also human yes. and they make mistakes and they have things that they could improve on. You know, they might express something to you that, or that you, you don't take the best way something like that. Like just because they're good at what they do and they're experienced yeah. and knowledgeable doesn't mean that they know fucking everything. And I think, just yeah. having that knowledge and bring that to the table and to the relationship can work wonders. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, to be honest with you, I find that people are less likely to trust you if if you pretend to know everything. Mm. Because like, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but like, you know, I one of the first conversations we had when, you know, you were on the program at King's and I started coaching you was like, I was up front with you and I said, listen, I don't know anything about equestrian and Mm -hmm. well, to be quite frank with you, I don't necessarily need to know everything about equestrian because that's your job. You know, your job is to say, obviously I did my research, right? I wasn't just going to come in blindly and be like, (laughs) Oh yeah, you need to do all this. Um, But at the same time, you know, you are effectively a PhD in your sport. So mm. I could learn far more from just sitting and talking and listening to you. And that then develops that relationship to then a case of like, okay, cool. So now I've actually gone in and been truthful with him and said, listen, I don't know anything about question, but I'm willing to learn. What do you need to do to improve? What sort of positions that do you find yourself in? Where do you generally find that you're most kind of like niggly? you know, lower back, whatever it might be. And that already there, you've kind of garnered that respect from that athlete. And you also have garnered the respect as an athlete to that coach because they've been truthful from the offset and they haven't tried to pretend that they know all the answers. You know, it kind of like is this idea that you may not know everything, but you're trying and experimenting together with different things. Mm. Yeah, um, 100%. That was the feeling that I got, you know, when you said that to me. And I was like, oh, that's safe. Because, well, no, the whole story was that I came in and we were going to talk about, you know, our sessions and, and you know, how we're going to program what I'm going to do with my S&C work. So anyway, I come in um, thinking about, you know, like how I can sort of 
apply riding and, and these positions and where, what I need to get stronger at into S and C stuff. And then you, you come in with like, it was like, uh, I think you had like a ring binder full of fucking pa like papers, like different research papers of, of basically what like biomechanics of, of riders yeah. and stuff like that. And, was, and you came in and you just put that on the table and was like, Oh, I've read this, this, and this, and this, and I think we should do this. Is it? By the way, I don't know anything about riding. Yeah, um, and I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that I do. So I was like, "Is this guy?" But in 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 all seriousness, like that made me think one, um, that we're kind of in this together and we're going to yeah. figure this out together. But also that you don't pretend to know everything, but you're going to do everything in your power to to develop that knowledge and apply that to me. Yeah. So that brings a level of trust to the table and it brings a level of sort of confidence in you as a coach and, and yeah. respect um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and it goes back to the, what you literally just mentioned, not five, 10 minutes ago about this idea of a power dynamic, because ultimately it's never coach athlete, like coach on top athlete, you know, is in the hierarchy below them. It, it's not like that. Like the, it, it's ebbs and flows. Like the athlete sometimes is going to have to say, Hey, that didn't work. Let's, let's switch mm. it up and try something different. And then at some points, the coach is going to have to say the hard stuff and say, listen, we, we need to start doing a bit more of this, or we, you need to stop fucking around and going out on the weekends <laughs> because it's affecting your recovery. Like just random yeah. things like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's never like, the coach is always here and the hierarchy, the athlete is always underneath them or below them. Poor choice of words. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it's <laughs> under it, them. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's it, it, safe sport. Yeah. It's, uh, it fluctuates. And the more that you can kind of get into trusting each other in that relationship and understanding that sometimes you know, the it, like, for example, the other day, I can't remember who it was that said to me, it was about weightlifting. Um, I have some athletes who definitely have a better understanding of of the sport itself. And mm. so they come to me with questions and I say, hey, this, and they say, hey, I, I saw this drill. Like, what do you think? Now, when I was a younger coach, I would have been like, why are you looking at that? Like, that's useless. Yeah, yeah, but actually, yeah. I think there's a lot of value because ultimately, like, they're lifting four or five days a week. Mm. They they know as well what they need to improve. If you're a coach and you think your athlete doesn't know anything, you need to, you need to uh, re-educate yourself because yeah. your responsibility and role as a coach is to make sure that your athletes understand why they're doing things, how they could potentially going wrong because you're not there yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like they, they have to become autonomous at some point. And I get it. It's it's tough when your coach isn't there all the time and you have to kind of change things up. But ultimately, it's practice. And then you say, hey, this this drill didn't work. Or, mate, this drill was amazing. Like, this drill is perfect. Let's keep that in. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that just shows a level of understanding and a level of mutual respect that you, you are, as you just mentioned, you're working together. It's not a you and yeah. I. It's an yeah. us, a we. Um, yeah, so... In yeah, in uh, to round things off, um, there is a certain level of responsibility that each coach and athlete definitely needs to set those boundaries. But at the same time, it, there's no cut and dry rules, right? As long as the athlete understands and respects that, you know, you have a certain time frame to get back to them, and you know, there's certain things that you need them to work on and you have that level of respect and you communicate effectively and vice versa, um, then I don't really think there are any rules to be honest with you. You know, the only rules would yeah, be, no, I agree. The only, it's just about respect and mutual yeah. respect, isn't it? And respecting Absolutely. each other's time and space and, and respecting each other as, as people you know as from my from my perspective you know as an athlete and you as my snc coach like if you told me to do something and i think we've, we've spoken about, about this before like i am very much of the approach whether it's you as my snc coach or you know a lot any of my 
riding coaches and things like that if you or they told me to do something uh, or change something uh, that's to do with the training or to do with the riding or, or so on and so forth I don't question it I just do it and yeah. then think about it later and we can talk about it later and see if it worked or we can reflect but in the moment like I respect you as someone who is more knowledgeable more experienced in in what in in that field and and what you're trying to get me to do yeah. is for me and I'm just going to do it and see if it works and trust that trust that you have that ability and that knowledge to to give me that information and then we reflect on it afterwards but that again doesn't mean that I'll do that for everything you say like you if you said told me something outside of training I'd be like nah it's fucking stupid um which actually doesn't happen that often because you're a pretty smart guy but um but yeah I mean that's just that's just the uh the dynamic we have yeah absolutely so guys if uh I guess takeaways would be you know if you are struggling as an athlete to kind of I guess garner respect from a coach then it's worth having that conversation and communicating effectively because understand that you need to have mutual respect for any relationship to work not just coach athlete but just in life in general in friendships and also in you know relationships um to have trust to have respect and trust for each other mm -hmm. and to communicate effectively um and goes the same for coaches right you need to respect the athletes um and just be a nice person like talk to them as humans they're not yeah. freaking robots um I'm not yeah. a robot. anyway guys we really hope you enjoyed this episode thank you for joining us on another episode of into the unknown this has been connor and you shuan we'll catch you Love in the guidance. next episode peace loving guidance Thank you so much for joining us into the unknown. Uh, if you want to connect with us and get in touch, you can find out more about me at Stoke Strength Systems on Instagram and Connor Lift Stuff for my business page. And you can find me at at yushan.su.eventing on Instagram, yushan.su.eventing on Facebook, and suyushaneventing.com. And if you want to get a bit more engaged. Uh, with our community and you liked this episode please like and subscribe uh, follow on the on, on spotify and we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode's topics so please drop them in the comments catch you next week